1: and welcome once again to another episode of strange planet on this episode wes roberts is a 30 plus year contact college professor contract college professor who teaches his students how to use basic computer applications but throughout his life wes experienced unusual events that fall under the general umbrella of the paranormal from his teens to the present day he's also experienced events which he describes as alien contacts and experiences. Having tried to explain away some of these events as dreams, hallucinations, visions, etc., Wes is convinced many experiences cannot be explained away through conventional theories. After 20 years, Wes decided to seek professional advice for a consciously recalled experience he had in the 1980s. And uh, he's here to talk about his research with experiencers, his own experiences, abductees and the not so uncommon occurrence of information downloads he is the co-author of intersections a true story of extraterrestrial contact and the author of an experiencer's garden wes roberts welcome how are you
2: richard thank you for that lovely welcome i'm very well thanks
1: uh i think i lost your camera there if you want to turn on your camera
2: uh it's Oh, gosh, computer problem. There, oh, I'm back. He's back. <laughs> All right. So thank you for having me. I'm good. My pleasure.
1: My pleasure. Let's go back to the 1980s. Um, well, just let's dive right in. What happened?
2: I um, woke up from a very unusual experience and had a bit of time uh, displacement. I was staring right at a uh, digital clock, alarm clock. And it went through five minutes in about five seconds. And so I was awake and sitting up at that point. I remembered everything uh, that happened to me. So I hurried myself into another bedroom and scratched it all down on a piece of paper. And uh, for, for 19 years or so, I simply, I let it replay in my mind a number of times without really knowing what it was, thinking, you know this can't be what i think it is which is an abduction but it was what did you
1: scratch down on that p- paper give us some kind of some images that uh sure get, you know, played over and over and over again in your mind from your memory
2: yes will do um it was sort of a staged experience richard meaning it took place in four or five stages or phases if you want to call them that i use the word stage on purpose because it seems to me our alien friends sometimes set a stage and we step on it and then they watch and see what happens with a little manipulation in, in the way. But stage one was my being at an airport in the middle of the night. Uh, it was closed and there was no one else there. As far as I knew, I was watching planes take off in the distance. Um, and suddenly a plane I saw uh, caught on fire. And I was looking around all around me in a panic, thinking, um, "How can I help? Can I help? What am I going to do?" And and within a second or two, I found myself on the plane. And so the the first stage was the the airport setup. It's sort of like, okay, this is how we'll get the transition uh, from standing in the airport to being on the plane. I wasn't in a seat. I was in a washroom, rear washroom, closed in, locked in. Uh, I heard all the stuff that we hear on planes, um, except passengers. So I heard the whoosh of the air, recirculated air. I heard the jet turbines. um, And I I honestly felt uh, that was it. That was going to be the end. I was going to go down with this plane. That was the end. I don't know how much time I have. Um, Turns out I had 30 to 60 seconds on the plane. And I was sort of reaching out uh, psychically, knowing that I, whatever I was, was still at home uh, in my bed with my partner. So I tried to reach her mind uh, and say, you know, uh, so long, I love you, um, this is the end. And so I felt I was successful and that was later proven to be somewhat true, actually. Um, I did seem to reach her, but. Um, Suddenly there was smack. Uh, There was a period of blackness. I guess it was a period of missing time. I do not know how long it lasted. Uh, As my eyes opened and began to adjust to the light, I was uh, ushered into stage three. So stage three was um, me walking into what seemed to be a a condo or an apartment. um, Average, except it was pristine. It was as if uh, it was made up for me, like there wasn't a piece of dust. It looked like it was never lived in, and uh, so stage three was a lengthy stage. Uh, I was allowed to wander through this apartment, our condo, examining things. And and some of the things were straightforward. You know, there was furniture, there was couches. I was able to go back and forth to the bedroom a couple of times. There's a bed. There was uh, photo albums, which I looked in. Um, There is a black rotary dial phone uh, uh, in the hallway, along with a little black book. I mean, literally, uh, that was plucked somewhere out of here, out of my mind. And uh, I actually tried to, I know it sounds strange, phone home. I actually tried to phone home, but I couldn't remember my number, and I couldn't find myself in the book. So after a time of wandering back and forth and everything was pretty stable, like this wasn't like a dreamscape where furniture changes or, or a, a phone changes or a photo album changes. It was all cohesive. Uh, nothing changed. Out,
1: that's how you ruled out that this was just a dream.
2: Pretty much. Um, and, you know, I've had lucid dreams. I've had out-of-the-body experiences. Uh, and then I've had these things. And so it took me a lot of wrestling with it to decide this was not a dream. Um, So eventually when I was in panic mode, I I felt the presence of a being uh, nearby. And the being was basically thinking, okay, the gig is up or the jig is up, Um, he's becoming aware. And and it's not the first time this has happened to me when I become aware, it's like, stop time to to change the experience because the subject's becoming aware. So I was walked out of the room and the next stage was me walking across what seemed to be a field or a tarmac. Um, Another alien joined on the other side, so I was escorted, being escorted. Um, All the aliens were the same and I never saw them straight on, but there was a long lineup of other alien beings and other people. I took to be humans. And we were all walked toward a uh, facility and I thought it was customs in my own mind. I guess this is masking. I don't know what it was, but I thought it was customs. So I went through customs without a problem, uh, entered a one person elevator, seemed to be an elevator and suddenly uh, intensely bright lights above me and below me and motion. And I couldn't tell if the motion was up or down. And I couldn't open my eyes to the light. They were so bright. Then when the door swished uh, open, the last and final phase of the experience was members of my family, or at least they look like members of my, my family, were at the airport uh, to collect me and drive me home. And that's pretty much the whole of it in, in condensed form.
1: And that was your first memory of this paranormal this sequence of different stages um and then there were others i mean at at what point did you decide that you were going to um get some professional help uh, a regression therapist and and find out what was going on
2: so it was 19 years or so after this experience and i'd only shared it with a couple of people I shared it with uh, uh, someone who's now my ex, Elizabeth. So I shared it with her, and she she had to tend to me when I was going through some really weird times uh, over those years, especially the last few years. And I shared it with a teacher friend, and um, I finally found another good friend who said uh, if it were her, she would seek professional assistance. And I waited one more a year, and and I finally did that. And so that was. The most prominent consciously recalled experience I had, and I've had a number before, and a number after, and then a number uncovered through hypnotherapy.
1: Uh, can you share one that that you also uncovered, uh, maybe that pre that predates that experience, maybe one from
2: childhood? I I can share one um, that was uncovered in my first or second session uh uh with Leslie um I was in a I'd say it's a farmhouse it was an active farm um and this was a physical abduction I was to find out they're not all physical uh but this was a physical abduction I was a little boy and uh a little girl or something like a little girl showed up um she didn't exactly look like a little girl she had bare feet long spindly arms and hands um, her head was slightly oval, I guess, not exactly like ours. And otherwise, just like a little girl. And uh, before I was to show her around, because that was the mental order I was getting, show her around. Before I did that, I asked mentally, um, is this is this a real farmhouse? You know, is this a real place? And, and I was told, again, mentally, yeah, it's a real farmhouse. The owners are not around right now. And it's like, okay, so like a little kid of, I must've been six or seven, I took this little girl, creature around by the hand and showed her stuff that you and I would recognize in an instant, a table, a fridge, you know, a lamp. Um, She touched things. She looked in the fridge, She didn't know what that stuff was. It was just blobs of color to her and we were going to go and head up the stairs and she resisted going up the stairs Um, she was afraid and she'd never gone upstairs and and (laughs) it's like okay around that time bye bye experience and uh, i woke up in my bed shortly thereafter
1: um there's you mentioned uh a difference there's there's a physical abduction what are the other kinds
2: i I think or I theorize there's only one other kind, which is a spirit abduction, an abduction of spirit and an etheric abduction uh, where they take your spirit or soul or whatever you want to call it. I have a feeling that consciousness is non-local anyway, so they take that thing and they put it through experiences, which, of course, you you remember everything unless they mask the memory and any. Any trauma, good or bad, usually negative, but not in my case, any trauma, you remember. And so it's as if you were, I can't say like an out-of-the-body experience, but you're somewhere else in spirit and you're experiencing something. And it all registers, it all registers. And when you get up in the morning and when you uh, become aware that you've been through something, you uh you remember it all, you feel it all.
1: You mentioned the um regression hypnotist that you went to see, mm-hmm. Leslie Mitchell mm-hmm. Clark. Yes. Um what just to kind of exp- let's explore that, what 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 that was like and when you you with her help started to piece this together.
2: Um so it it's funny, Richard, because when I was looking or a hypno, pardon me, hypnotherapist. I found someone who I wrote to, and she said, "Well, I don't, I don't deal with folks like you," and that's that's fine. You know, it's kind of a specialty. And I said, "Okay, fine." And she gave me Leslie's name, so I got in touch with Leslie, and uh, we exchanged a call or two, or an email or two, and then she wanted to interview me and do a pre-assessment. Uh, you know, something I call a triage. And, uh, you know, she walks you through all the things that she needs to do to protect you and protect herself. And if she feels that your case or what you've gone through is psychological or medical purely, um, then she's gonna send you to a different expert. And so uh, it's a a bit of a lengthy assessment, a lot of questions and answers. I think she felt, and I guess I proved it with five years of hypnotherapy. um, I think she felt I was a stable character and I'd been through some trauma. And when I went to see her, I was really on the edge for two or three years. It was affecting my performance as a teacher. Um, I was afraid to go to sleep. I mean, it was more than time I should have seen her. So we set up our first session. Um, ostensibly to explore the '80s experience, but that did not happen. <laughs> you know, the first two experiences were completely not about the '80s. In fact, we had to go back to that experience years later.
1: So, did you did you discover that that this was a nightly occurrence, a weekly occurrence? How how frequent?
2: Um, for a time, the feeling of presence. The feeling of being visited, the feeling that there were others around was easily several times a week, um, pretty steady for uh, two or three years. Nothing necessarily happened. Uh, although, you know, through hypnosis, yes, you had all these other experiences. But my deal was I just couldn't close my eyes. And if I closed my eyes, I thought, That's it, I'm vulnerable. Um, They are gonna come and do what they wanna do anyway, like I have no choice. I was later to discover, well, I might have some choice, not the full range of choice that I prefer, uh, because I can't simply call them up when I wish or say, that's the range for me to do this or do that. Um, They kind of put you in predicaments or scenarios uh, when they want to. As they feel it's necessary. So my, um, I guess close to panic attacks at points uh, were common enough that I didn't feel stable sometimes.
1: Were you ever close to before you decided to go see Leslie Mitchell Clark? Did you uh, did you th- did you did you go through a battery of I don't know psychological tests anything like that?
2: I did not. Um, I spoke to people I knew trusted people, um, one or two in the medical community, no one was a doctor, no one was a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And I actually didn't know, Richard, I am I, um, being, being hypnotized, I actually wanted to find out if this was real, if this was part of my memory, and or if it was something I'd made up. And I was sort of fearful that it was something I made up because then the next step would be off to the psychologist or psychiatrist.
1: We'll take a quick time out and uh, come back and discuss the um, remarkable case of Wes Roberts. Stay with us.
0: It's time to redefine reality. Reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
1: Wes Roberts is with us, a lifelong experiencer, the co-author of Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. The uh, co-author is Leslie Mitchell-Clark, who was uh, his uh, regression hypnotist or therapist, and uh, he's also the author of An Experiencer's Garden, um, when you found out through hypnosis that this was, re- was real, um, were you fearful? I mean, what, now that you know that it's real, I mean, how does that alleviate the anxiety and the panic and allowing you to close your eyes at night knowing that this is ongoing?
2: Oh, gosh, that's a, a good question, and, and uh, I guess I can address it several ways. Um, when I came out of my first session, I was almost crying because it was real. Um, I recall saying to Leslie something like, it, is this stuff for real? And she assured me that it was, and and actually... Um, it, it was later proven, or uh, Leslie said she's found evidence of the fact that you're accessing memory and not imagination when you do hypnosis. So that part was a relief that quickly turned into frustration. Um, because the experiences, in, in my case, and I think in a lot of cases, don't stop. They just do not stop. They're just going to be through uh, with you through your lifetime, and so the frustration and anger came about, which we worked through uh, over many, many sessions, because I felt I was powerless, uh, because I was without sleep, I was greatly sleep deprived, Um, and because I had seemed to have little control over when these things would occur, or even knowing what they meant, and I think. Um, Leslie helped me work through a lot of that, which is the integration piece, as I call it. Um, if I were to counsel any other people who are beginning to go through what I went through, I mean, investigate what they've been through. Um, I would say integration is the number one thing you're looking for. It's almost like a reconciliation. It's like, OK, this is part of my life. I've contextualized it. And I think I can move forward from that point on. And in fact, Richard, a a landmark for me hypnotherapy session took place. I can't remember exactly when during the five years, but um, Leslie did an interlife hypnotic regression with me because I was dogged by the uh, question of why me? And and I think, uh, you know, I've talked to other abductees, experiencers, experts. That's a common question. You know, uh, am I victimized or is there something else at work here
1: and what did you
2: discover because that was my next question why you um i know this is going to stretch the fabric of perhaps some of your listeners minds but i made an agreement before i was born i made an agreement that i would go through these things made an and the harsh uh, yes with with alien beings, that at some point in this lifetime uh, I would become aware of it if I could, and I did. Uh, so, and then I could reconcile it, then I can integrate it. But it was an agreement made before I got here. Um, and you know, we can we can flesh out the inter-life hypnosis if you like a little bit. I'm no expert, uh, but I can talk about it and why I felt that's the why me. Um, why I don't have control over it. I don't think I ever will.
1: Do you have um, memories either recovered or, or otherwise of being lifted out of your bed, taken through a window, a closed window, perhaps through the ceiling, anything like that?
2: Rising up through the ceiling. um, For sure. Uh, It it reminded me of um, when I was a teenager, I had some spontaneous, uh, out-of-the-body experiences, um, which I quite hated. Uh, They were terrifying. And so um, you become, or most people become catatonic uh, physically when that happens. And apparently that's to facilitate the the out-of-the-body experiences and to make sure you're safe uh, when you go through them so you can't act them out. Uh, So I was somewhat used to that feeling and since since my teens a handful of times i've had an out-of-the-body experience so i i know the feeling is similar when you're being lifted out and moved through solid objects i i wish i could explain it in good words but i i can't it feels light it feels like you're being pulled uh i want
1: to come back to something you mentioned earlier when you were on that plane stage two and you were locked in the um the washroom on this plane that was on fire and mm-hmm. you telepathically or psychically tried to communicate with your wife who you knew was you know asleep back in the bed where mm-hmm. you were um mm-hmm. and but and later you had sort of evidence that confirmed that you were successful in communicating with her can you tell me what happened
2: yeah it was there's a couple of strange twists and turns to this one um so when i get Got up and wrote all that stuff down and thought, what the heck have I just been through? Um, I spoke to her and uh, I said, did you notice anything unusual last night? That was it. And it's probably she's probably thinking other than living with you. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, she said, yeah, she had a sense of something, but that was it. That was it. And as far as any other, say, physical sense, and I don't have a lot of physical marks and never have. Um, there's a, a a little bit of blood on the pillow, um, which I never have nosebleeds, uh, never have, never do. So that may be considered something substantial or not. But the twist and turn, Richard, is the is the weirdest thing because years and years later, I was talking to her, saying, "Do you remember this experience in the 1980s? You know, yada yada yada." And she recounted an entirely different experience to me that I was unaware of. And I've been unable to fully uncover it through hypnosis. I've tried. And when she described the experience I was unaware of, not not the one I was aware of, she said she was uh, catatonic. She didn't use that word. She was switched off is the word I use. She could hear, and that was all. And as she recounted this experience to me years later, she said, Oh, yeah. And I heard you talking to others in the, in the second bedroom. And that totally creeped me out and surprised me. I thought we were on, on base in the same place with the 80s experience, but there were obviously two. Remarkable.
1: All right, Robert, we'll take another time out, come back, and uh, more to come. Don't go away.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fastened seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet.
1: Wes Roberts, I called you Robert going into the break. My apology, Wes Roberts. That's okay. And uh, we're talking about his lifelong, um, well, I was about to call it an abduction, um, abduction experiences, but do you call them abductions?
2: I don't call them all abductions. In fact, Leslie and I have talked about this a lot. Um, We feel, and it's not unilaterally true, it's not a cookie cutter solution, but we feel physical abductions happen more to younger people and also less and less frequently these days. And so what I call these things, what I refer to them now as are experiences hence the experiencer part. I think you're still an experiencer if you're an abductee, but I think I, I don't want to say graduated because that makes me sound intelligent. (laughs) Not not in this way, Um, but over time I met with what I consider to be councils. And apparently this is a common thread uh, with abductees. I met with councils two or three times. And every time uh, it was out of the body, it wasn't me like talking to you right now. And every time it was a room full of mostly alien beings, sometimes military folks, people. And I was asked if whatever it was I'd been through recently, it took, if it was okay, if I was okay, and if I was ready for the next stage. And I've always said yes in those conditions. And I joke about it because I don't know if I'd say yes if it was right now. That little uh, girl, alien,
1: that you Mm -hmm. met at the farmhouse, did you have any other encounters with her?
2: Um, Actually, a lifetime's worth. She was to prove to be an integral part of my life, perhaps before this life, but at least this life. Um, I've referred to her in my books and to anyone that will listen as a twin, as my twin. Not in the twin flame sense, but twin in the sense of familiarity, like family almost. And so that was my first recollection of her in childhood. Um, But Leslie and I went on to discover all sorts of interesting things about her. And I've had numerous experiences that have included her in different shapes and forms and periodically in fact I think the last time was two or three weeks ago she showed up in a dream and that doesn't surprise me and depending on what you uh, prescribe as alien talents or characteristics that they can step in and out of a dream that does not surprise me so I'm sure it was two or three weeks ago when an exceptionally tall person um, thin no figure uh, entered into one of my dreams. And this has happened to me a number of times. And I'll get up in the morning saying, okay, nice to see you again in some different form. Um,
1: what is going on with you right now? I mean, you mentioned this uh, this was a dream two or three weeks ago. But mm-hmm. uh, are you continuing to have experiences on a weekly or or nightly basis? Or as you say, you've graduated. Graduated to what?
2: Yeah, if I knew the answer Um, to the next step. I mean, I'm in a state of awareness as far as I can tell. And I don't mind publicly sharing what's gone on with me. And I don't mind uh, reaching out a helping hand if somebody needs it. And I always feel that part of my job is to, uh, as this thing, as this person, is to say to other people, "If, if you feel that you're going through something like this, Uh, there's others that you can talk to. And I think, and I hope, and I'm not being evangelical about it, that I'm helping to spread the word that we're bigger than what we think we are, spiritually, holistically. We're bigger than just people. And so I think that my feeling more connected to one being in particular and to others as well, means that I'm discovering what I can be. And so one of the things that happened to me, for instance, when I started uh, hypnotherapy, was I suddenly discovered, and I only recently heard, Richard, this is not unusual, that I had some healing capabilities. I am not claiming to be a healer. I'd like to make that clear. I'm not trained and I'm not claiming to be a healer. But I, I felt compelled to say to people, can I try something with you? And and what I tried was just basically placing my hand on an area or an inch away. And I've been told by people that have experienced this, it feels like Reiki. And it's like, I don't know anything about Reiki except what I hear or what I've read. And so I don't claim to be a healer, but I claim to be something that can introduce that uh, to another person's system. Then they work with it. And so um, do I get experiences nightly or even weekly? No. Um, Do they still happen? Yes. I'm gonna say probably once a month or so. And I'm careful to examine them for the very same reasons I examined the first one, is to say, was it a dream? Was it hallucination? I don't take recreational drugs. Um, I don't get pie-eyed or plastered if I have a, a glass of wine or something. I'm not prone to hallucinations. So I tend to think, okay, this one stays in this category, uh, possible alien experience. And, and the last one was about three weeks ago or so.
1: Um, talk to me about information downloads. I mean, I've heard information downloads. Uh, there's a, the um, the the case of the uh, Rendlesham Forest uh, UFO yeah. back in December 1980, um, when a um, someone on the base got close to the um, the craft and and reported a download of a series of ones and zeros which he was able to recall from memory and jot down in a in a notebook. What kind of downloads did you experience?
2: So the, the downloads I get are are typical for downloads and they're not just these are not just happening to abductees or experiencers. I've talked to a lot of people over the last couple of years that have some kind of interest in spirit or in the possibility of something paranormal, or at least the possibility that there are others communicating with us, at least that. And a downloads like a highly condensed packet of data, maybe information if you're lucky, but at least data that you can't process in the moment. You remember something just happened It could be quick. It could last for hours. But you remember something highly unusual happened. And I'm not exactly clear what it is. I just maybe I feel a little weird. I feel a little off. But I feel like I've been handed something. And so then as you can, I think, withstand it um, psychologically, emotionally, maybe even intellectually, as you can withstand it, it percolates up into the conscious mind. And then you're able to unpack it.
1: Can you give me a, for instance,
2: some, yeah, uh, I you've can able give, to unpack. I can give you a, for instance, and, uh, it involves, I was playing around with numbers and just thinking these numbers really mean something to me. And it was quite simple. One, two, three, four, five, literally. And I thought, do they mean anything? And I was really, dogged by it and i went out of my way to try and figure out what this was and i went about it like a sherlock holmes kind of person um i i researched things that were associated with the numbers for instance numerology uh, tarot cards colors um, anything else i could unpack about the numbers one to five and how they might mean something you know like the holy trinity i'm, I'm going through these numbers again and again and again Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm writing down all these notes that don't mean anything. And then months later, um, I was sitting in my bed. I was awake, just wondering about this stuff again, probably overtired, which was a good thing because I was in the right state of mind. And boom. So I sat up in bed uh, with my notebook and just started jotting stuff down. And the numbers one to five had to do with the phases of a journey. At the point you reach five, you're gonna start a new journey. And so it's never about the destination. It's kind of a process based thing. So um, then I thought, okay, I wrote two or three pages down, I'm going to bed. And then half an hour later, I jump up, here's another two or three pages. And it just it just spewed out of me until I had a dozen pages of notes. And, and that's that's classic. Um, Leslie and I were talking to Grant Cameron the other day, uh, who had a fantastic download in 2012, and he always talks about it when he's interviewed. And, you know, he'll say the same thing. A download can change your life. It did for me.
1: Are those uh, series of downloads and and notes, is that what led to your second book, An Experiencer's Garden?
2: I think it pushed me a little forward uh, with it. Um, My current partner, was saying, well, you know, you gotta keep writing. And it's like, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to sell books, and I'm really not, you know, it was just, okay, let's get the first one out, which is kind of unique, because Leslie's commenting from her chair what it all looked like from her from her expertise. And I'm saying this is what it looked like to me. And so the second book was an effort to, and you might be right, Richard, it was an effort to categorize or catalog uh the things that you might go through, things like locations, uh, themes, uh, things like beings, things like physicality, things like surgery, uh, or uh, various experiments and odd stuff I've been through. And so it was my effort to try to categorize and catalog it. And then when I finished, I added this big section at the end about why me and all that. But when I finished, I thought, how boring. (laughs) I actually thought, what a boring book
1: all right I'm sure people don't find it boring is any other common um, stages Um, you mentioned the airport is that Mm -hmm. common Um, are when you speak to other experiencers do they talk about an airport or there other settings like I don't know uh, a a doctor's office or anything like that that's that's kind of a common thread with other experiencers
2: Gosh, yes, I think there are a number of them. Any transportation hub, I'm gonna say. Uh, So an airport's ideal. Uh, Train stations, I've been on trains a few times. Um, uh, Automobiles sometimes. Doctors' offices or clinics? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, A number of other experiencers or abductees I've talked to have been looked at by doctors. Or things that claim to be doctors. Uh, it's not all bad. I feel I I feel my life was intervened with in a good way when I was desperately ill at one point with pneumonia because I had an experience in what I felt to be a clinic and a doctor whose clothes didn't fit exactly, really long legs and arms. Um, anyway, uh, he was. I'd have to say running kind of some kind of a machine over me, not touching me, uh, just close to me. And I remember uh, when I woke up, I began to feel better and better, and pneumonia was soon gone. Is that a coincidence? Possibly. You know, I'm not going to push the envelope here. I don't know. Uh, but it sure as heck wasn't a doctor. So
1: what's next then, do you think? Um Are you looking forward to the next, whatever this is, assignment, the next stage, the next task, the next mission?
2: I am, actually. Um, It's a funny thing for me. I was mired in being overly analytical when I was younger. Um, Too intellectual, I was told. Too logical. And yet, here I am, hopefully a balanced person. At this point, I still do my teaching job. <laughs> I still do things that everybody does. I still drink water. You know the usual stuff. Um, but I am actually, I'm looking forward to any potential next stages. I don't feel I'm being used uh, by them. I feel that we're in some kind of a partnership. Largely, I'm unaware of the full nature of it, uh, and I'm always trying to, to reach out. Um, sometimes they reach back. If I look at my transcripts, Richard, they tell me I'm really bad at reaching out. They've said that much. I'm just not good at it. They're really good at it, but I'm not too good at it. (laughs) So I expect it'll be a surprise when it gets there.
1: You're not good at reaching out, meaning what? They're looking for more feedback from you?
2: They, uh, to, to have a real time communication with them. Um, they have to change things generally to make that happen for us, change the immediate environment, change your physicality, change your, your chemistry. They have to make changes for that to happen. And so they, they want us to, to reach back is my understanding and reaching back is not something I'm particularly good at, except, and I should, should clarify this when I'm under hypnosis, it's much easier for me to do it.
1: Wes, how do we get a copy of uh, An Experiencer's Garden?
2: Uh, My gosh, you can go to amazon.ca, amazon.com, or pop over to wesgroberts.com, and there's links to the books there, too.
1: All right, and that link is in the episode notes. Wes, great speaking with
2: you. Thank you so much for this. Thank you, Richard. It's been great. Thank you. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.